0: This morning is part two of a lesson that we started last week. We're going through the New Testament as a survey. We've hit the book of Hebrews and the book of Hebrews, we've slowed down a little bit because Mel asked me to and uh, we're we're taking uh, a little bit longer with the book of Hebrews. We dealt last week with that famous chapter, chapter 11, that deals with the people of faith. We're going to deal with it and finish it this week. I'll tell you this. I put my faith in Jesus as a 12-year-old boy at the Broadway Church of Christ in Lubbock, Texas many, many, many moons ago. And I remember making that faith decision and I remember going down in front of the congregation confessing my faith in Jesus and being baptized. It's something that I will not lose track of in my brain, God willing, until I pass into glory. It was a very special moment for me. But it was a few years later... When I was in college, working toward my degree in Greek, in Lipscomb University, in Nashville, Tennessee, when I was faced with a passage to translate, out of Romans 1, the, the verses actually start in Romans 1, 16 and 17. It's kind of the theme in one sense for the book. It, you'll, you'll, some of you, it'll trigger in your brain. Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, it is the power of God to salvation unto all who believe. Look at this. Here it is in uh, Greek. (laughs) So I hit verse 17. Now I'm going to help you a little bit with this. Don't panic because many of you are saying, well, it's Greek to me. We're going to turn it into English a little bit. We're starting at verse 17. Kiosune dikaiosune means righteousness. Righteousness, then that word gar, it's just kind of like a freebie. They throw those in all the time. It means for, it can mean and, it can mean lots of different things, but it's just a conjunction. The, for righteousness, theu, that means of God. Theos is God, if you have it in the form theo. It's of God. So the righteousness of or from God is in it in the gospel. The righteousness of God or from God is in the gospel, and then it is revealed ek pistuos as piston. Ek pistuos as piston. So I'm doing fine translating this until I got to ek pistuos Ace piston, and all of a sudden, I was like struggling. Now, not because those are strange words; those are easy words in the Greek. It just doesn't make sense. Let's put it together. Here's what I'll, I'll done: For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Ek pistuos, ace. Now you'll see the second and the last word all start with the Greek P, which is pi, P-I-S-T. P-I-S-T. That O with a like the line going out from the top. That's an S in the middle of a word. So P-I-S-T. That's the root that means faith. So you've got it now. It's ek faith. Ace faith. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Ek faith. Ace faith. Now you gotta have one more piece of the puzzle here. When Paul uses the word gospel generally, Paul means something very specific. He doesn't mean Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. He doesn't even mean necessarily the birth of Christ. The gospel for Paul, gospel is two Greek words combined. It means good news or a good message. The good news is Jesus Christ died for us. He was buried and he was resurrected on the third day. To forgive us of our sins and to give us a new life. That's the good news. When Paul in 1 Corinthians said, brethren, I will remind you the terms in which I preach to you the gospel. Namely, Jesus Christ died, was buried, resurrected third day. That's, those are the terms that Paul uses for gospel. So here's what he says. In the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, God's righteousness is revealed... Ek pistuos, ace piston. From, ek faith, ace faith. Now, here's what we got to add. Ek faith. Ek means from or out of. All right, you got it? I'm I'm telling you, I'm just translating this as a 20-year-old kid trying to figure it out. For the right, in the gospel, in the death of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from or out of faith, ace, to or into faith. From faith to faith. Now that's throwing me off. I translated Ephesians. I knew that we had been saved by grace through faith, but... Through is a different word. That's dia in the Greek. This isn't dia, this is echinas. From faith to faith. Now that might be from a location to a location, but that doesn't make any sense. But then our our, our Greek professor explained it to us. And he suggested the following. The ek and ace were also used in time. Like we might say classes from 11 to 12. You with me? So in that sense, Paul's using it here. From faith in the beginning of the Christian walk to faith at the end of the Christian walk. And every day along the way, because is revealed is in the present tense it's a reference to moment by moment minute by minute the righteousness of God is not something we simply accept through faith at the time of of the of the conversion process for lack of a better word you know yes I use faith to to become a child of God I I put my faith in the gospel in the death of Jesus as my own accounting before God So yes, salvation comes by faith. It starts there through faith. But every step along the way for the Christian is still a walk in faith. So we are saved. The Christian life starts with faith, but the Christian life also runs on faith. Faith is not simply something we use to get in relationship with God, it is what we walk through in our relationship with God every day, minute by minute, month by month, week year by year. Are you with me? And the unique part of this passage is, it's not simply the idea that you are to walk by faith and not by sight. But Paul saying, the righteousness of God is, is being manifested, it's being revealed, it's being uh, 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 unveiled in the Christian walk by faith. We get the righteousness of God in faith at salvation, but the righteousness of God is unfolding in our lives as we walk by faith. That's what we're getting here. God's righteousness is found in the Christian life in faith at the start of, of that Christian walk, but also every day in that Christian walk. Does that make sense? So if we've got that New Testament understanding of Paul in our brains, now we can go back and pick up the Hebrews passage that we were looking at last week. Because the writer of Hebrews is delivering what many believe, and I believe, to be a sermon. It's not a typical letter. It's not the epistle to the Hebrews. This is a sermon that's written down for us. And so the preacher is preaching the sermon and we need to remember who he's preaching to. Obviously by the Holy Spirit, the church eternal. But specifically, preaching to Jewish Christians, Messianic Jews in modern language, who were thinking about returning to the Jewish practices of their pre-Messiah time thinking about heading back for Passover, Pesach is around the corner, thinking about heading back to to, uh, Yom Kippur and the Day of Atonement, thinking about heading back to the temple with the temple sacrifices, the temple worship, just going back to the familiar. And so the writer of preacher of Hebrews says, don't return to what was merely a shadow of what is now the reality of, in Jesus, Jesus is not a new religion. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Hebrew faith. He didn't come to abolish the law; he came to fulfill the law. And so that's what we've got here. So with that, the writer, or preacher of Hebrews, says at this point, as we hit the end of ten and into eleven, that we're to walk in this faith. And the preacher uses Old Testament examples of faith to teach New Testament Christians how to walk. Again, Jesus doesn't throw away the Old Testament. Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. But as Paul said to Timothy, the Old Testament is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, for training, and righteousness, and, and, and all sorts of things. And so that's what we have here. So with that, let's pick up the vignettes, the little stories of faith. We've got 32 minutes to run through some of the vignettes. We're going to do them fairly briefly, but each one's got a message for home. These are the vignettes that the preacher put in the book of Hebrews. He starts out with the vignette of Isaac, and we can see it in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. We made it through uh, last week, we made it through uh, Abraham. So now we've got 11 verse 20. Let's see if we can... we got a little different screen situation up here for me this morning. So we'll see how well I can do this. What does automatic focus not do? Hold on, let me put these on. It could be in focus and I just don't realize it. No, it's really not. There we go. Good. All right, verse 20. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Well, now that's a stunner. If you know the story of Isaac blessing Jacob and Esau, that's a real stunner. See, Jacob and Esau were twins. Esau came out first. He's supposed to be the firstborn. He's supposed to get those blessings. Jacob comes out later, second. He's the second child. He's not supposed to get those blessings. Esau is a daddy's boy. He's hunter, makes mean stew. Jacob, he's a mama's boy. He stays home while his brothers out doing the stuff. Jacob is is uh, uh, not going to be in line to get those blessings. Isaac's old in age, he can't see, worth diddly spot. He didn't have glasses back then. And he gets fooled by Jacob, thinking Jacob is his brother. Jacob's not as hairy as Esau, but he gets some goat hair on him. Comes in, and dad is tricked into giving the firstborn blessing to the secondborn son. When Esau comes in from the hunting trip, which he just went on for dad, and he finds out that uh, Esau finds out that dad's been tricked by his brother. Esau not only hates Jacob, but Esau is desperate for some kind of blessing as well. Esau had already sold his birthright for a bowl of bean stew. Must have been really good. Sold his birthright. And so now, he's Esau is, is barren in what he's got, while the blessings are on Jacob. If you listen to Pastor Avery this morning, he did a Genesis in five minutes routine, where he went all the way through. Jacob's the one who gets the blessings from God. Isaac would not have put the blessings on the right person, on his own. But he put those blessings on Jacob, And when he realized the mistake he made, he accepted God's plan behind it. And that's the lesson of faith, if we go back to the PowerPoint. The lesson of faith from that story is, I mean, the the writer of Hebrews knows his Old Testament incredibly well. Isaac did not intentionally put the blessings on Jacob. But once those blessings went on Jacob, Isaac, in faith, saw that God is in control For God's purposes. And it may not always be what we planned. And it may not always be what we think is right. But the position of faith in which we walk as believers. Is that God is in control. For God's purposes. And so when things don't turn out the way we plan. We thank God. Because they turned out the way he purposed. And that's what we want. So our point for home on this is simple. I need to trust. Trust is another way to translate that Greek word, "pistuo," piste, which is faith. I want to trust God for his good purposes over my own. All right, next vignette. Jacob. Jacob is the second one. And we'll read the story of Jacob in the next passage. Verse 21, if we go to the Elmo. By faith, and again, that's piste in the Greek. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. Quoting the Septuagint there, if you're one of these people like James Hammond, where are you, James? He's not here today. We're safe. Um, <clears throat> James would be looking up the Old Testament and saying, no, it says he was leaning on his bed, not on his staff. And James would be right, following the Masoretic text. The writer of Hebrews is following the Greek Septuagint here. And actually, it is not inconsistent. It's just a translation. You've got to understand the words a little bit. So set it aside. Don't worry about it get to the meat of the story Jacob brings out the sons of Joseph and bowing in worship he blesses each of them now that's a fantastic story to me Joseph was a favored son of Jacob and Jacob brings in the family because Jacob recognizes that God's Hand needs to be on the children. And I love the blessing of that. If we go back to the PowerPoint, God is worthy of trust for our family. There's something powerful about taking your children, taking your grandchildren, and entrusting them to the Lord with blessing. And let them see it, And let them experience it. And so my point for home on this is simple. I want to pray about this. I want to pray, Lord, I trust you with my family. And I pray that you would bring them to walk with you. Let's pause for a moment. And let's all pray this together for our families, okay? Lord, we come before you in the name of Jesus, in faith. And we ask your blessings upon our families, We ask you to bless them with a a fellowship walk with you. Bring them, Lord, into a deeply knit relationship to your heart. For Jesus' sake, amen. All right, next vignette. Joseph. Now, Joseph's an interesting story as he continues to walk through these Old Testament patriarchs. If we go to the uh, PowerPoint, thank you upstairs, Joseph, by faith, his day, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Now that may seem really bizarre to you. He gave direction concerning his bones. Here's the way the story unfolds in Genesis. Joseph, the dreamer, the the dreamer, the, the, the young, now old man of God who had visions and, and, and understood where God was heading and how God was working, referenced the Exodus. He told his offspring, We won't be in Egypt forever. And when you leave, you take my bones with you. You may see me as a man second to Pharaoh. You may see me as the Egyptian who's. Look, when Joseph was sold into slavery, he was a young boy. His brothers didn't recognize him as a grown man. He was a young boy sold into slavery. He lived his life in Egypt, but he knew where he belonged. And I love that. Because if our eyes are on God, if we go back to the PowerPoint, please, if our eyes are on God, we know where we belong. So he says, when, we, when you leave, take my bones with you. I'm not an Egyptian. I'm living here doing God's work. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. You know the old song? And, and that's what we got to do. We've got to keep our eyes on God. That's a sustaining faith. In that kind of faith, the righteousness of God will be revealed in our lives daily. As we recognize we're here doing mission work. We're not here because this is our home. And there will come a day where the good Lord himself will take our bones home. And we will be with him. All right, next vignette. Um, Oops. Before we get to the next vignette. So what do we know from this? I want to know and I want to remember where I belong. That's my take home. All right, next, Moses. Now we've got a bunch of these piste statements. Piste, 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 piste. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith with Moses. And so let's look at them and break them apart. The first one is fascinating because the first one, look at this. Verse 23, if we go to the Elmo, thank you guys. Y'all are fantastic up there. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Beautiful, the Greek is translating the Hebrew tov. Tov means not just good looking, but it means good Probably didn't have colic. Didn't cry through the whole night. No, it's not a reference to those things. It's a reference to the fact that they saw God was going to be at work in the life of that child. And I got news for you. I have never seen a child that's not beautiful. That God can't work for. It's true even in the animal kingdom. Some of the ugliest dogs are cute as puppies. You really don't know what you're getting. We have in our in our in our on our on our property we've got this kind of duck that's taking up residence there. I don't know what kind of duck it is. It is hideous. It's absolutely as ugly a duck as you have ever seen in your life. It's got like massive Cancerous tumor growths on all of its bills and head, and it's just ugly. And you look at it and you think, I, I wouldn't eat you. I mean, you are so ugly. But, but, but when those ducks have little chicks, they are the cutest little. I mean, they're black with these yellow spots on them. They're adorable. And somewhere in their life, they transition into adulthood and they just become sin ugly. But every baby's beautiful. Every baby's beautiful. Just transitions sometimes along the line. But this story is one where it's not Moses' faith that hid him in the bulrushes for Pharaoh's daughter. It was his parents' faith. Tell me the Bible doesn't teach us that how the parents live affects their children. Tell me the Bible doesn't teach us that our kids will be more affected by what we do than by what we say. I can tell my kids all day long, have faith, have faith, have faith. But boy, won't they get it better if they see it. In mom and dad, instead of just hear it. You know, I've been living in a courtroom for the last 10 weeks, and it is amazing to me how many witnesses will stand up there and say one thing and do the opposite. The inconsistency of life is evident to anybody who's watching. I don't want to hear the words, I want to see them. And that's a fantastic story. Living by faith is taking care of your family. And you take care of your family not just by what you say but really by what you do. And so it's a fantastic story. It gives me our next point for home. What do I want to do? I want to model God's righteousness in faith. Because the righteousness of God will be made manifest when I live by faith before my children. And I'm all for look, you got a crisis at home. You got a crisis at home. And It's not hidden from your children. And you say, we have a crisis at home. But you say, the answer to our crisis is found in the Lord. And we're going to trust him. But it means we're going to be in prayer. We're going to to do all we can do. But we're doing it in holiness and righteousness. Knowing that God will walk us through this crisis. You know, God doesn't say, I'm going to spare you from the fire. He says, I'm going to be with you in the fire. And so that, we model it. The next one, Moses, this is one of my favorite ones if we go back to the text. By faith, Piste, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses was Pharaoh's grandson. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, rather, choosing rather, choosing, important word, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking to the reward. Now, there's a picture here, and I want to draw the picture for you as best as we can because this is tremendous. He's got a choice here. He can be Pharaoh's grandson. Am I on screen? Yeah. He can be Pharaoh's grandson. And with that come lots of perks. Palace life, servants, all the food you want, um, great job. Nobody bosses you around except Granddad. It's pretty, pretty good deal, pretty good gig. Okay, he's got a choice. He can be that, or he can be with the people of God and get mistreated. Now those are his choices. Which choice is he going to make? He makes the choice out of faith. And the choice out of faith says, I'd better be mistreated with the people of God than have the perks of being Pharaoh's grandson. That's pretty cool. Now, I got to tell you, I could have rationalized if I'd been Moses. I always try to stick myself in these positions. I could have rationalized real good. I could have said, you know, people of God need some serious help. I know what I'll do. I'll stay right here in the palace, and when my day comes, I'll try and help them. I've got some of Pharaoh's ear, granddad. I can help them out. I'll give them a day off occasionally. I could really better help God's program by living this life in Pharaoh's God put me here. I mean, hey, he could have had me killed. But I'm here. God must want me here. But Moses was able to listen more intently than that. Look, the passage continues. It says, He considered the reproach of Christ He considered the reproach of Christ. Now that's the ESV, English Standard Version I'm using. The approach of Christ in the Greek Christos also means anointed. And Moses himself was anointed. So there is a question among translators of is this directly talking about Jesus Christ, which the ESV says, or is it merely him speaking of himself first? he considered the reproach of being anointed by God greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Better to be anointed by God than the treasures of Egypt. Better to be God's anointed than the grandson of Pharaoh. Now, if we go back and we look at it, the reason, I'm sorry, not back to the PowerPoint, back to my drawing, my my faked amount upstairs. Um, If we go back to the drawing... It's the same principle that we just had. He would rather... He would rather have the reproach... And I think it can be either. I think the writer of Hebrews means the either one, or he'd have made it clearer. The approach of the anointed, or of Jesus... Would he rather have the reproach, or would he rather have all of the treasures of Egypt. And he chose the latter. Now, remember the core idea behind this book is that Jesus is greater than Moses, is that Moses was just a prophetic foreshadowing of what Jesus would be in reality. Jesus is Moses on steroids. And so... That's why you can translate it the way the ESV did, because the writer of Hebrews doesn't want us to forget this. Jesus had a choice. Jesus could have been... This is the choice of Jesus. Jesus could have lived as the Son of God. Not the grandson of Pharaoh. The Son of God in eternity... But instead, if we can borrow Paul's language from Philippians, he emptied himself because he chose instead to be mistreated for the people of God. Instead of the treasures of heaven, he chose the reproach of being Messiah. But it's not left there, of course, for us. We know the end of the story. Paul says it in Philippians 2. Being in the image of God, he emptied himself, taking the form of man, and being made in the likeness of people, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, and name in that Greek Hebrew sense doesn't mean just the label, it means your reputation who you are, what you've done, at at recognizing who Jesus is and what he's done, every knee bows, every tongue confesses he's Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's a tremendous story. But if we go back then to the PowerPoint, here's what we got. Moses chose to live by faith. And we see the power of choice. We see that Moses could choose... And Moses made his choice. And his choice is one in faith. It's a point for home for me. This is what I want to do. I want to choose God. I want to choose God each day. I want to choose God each minute. Not God when it's convenient to me. Not God for what's convenient to me. I want to choose God for his plans. Next vignette. Moses. Oh, I love this one. Go to the next one. Let's see. Go back to the PowerPoint. Uh, Elmo. 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 Thank you, guys. By faith... Piste, and, and again, you might be thinking, well, all of these are just all in a paragraph. No, 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 no. The Greek sets out, it's a anaphora, is, is when you repeat the same thing over and over. I told you that last week, so I can say, look up. Oh, no, there's a famous sermon by Tony Campola, I think. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, you know, when you repeat something over and over for effect. That's being done in this chapter with that Greek piste. By faith, by faith, by faith, 19 times in the chapter. So this is another one set out. By faith, piste, by faith, Moses left Egypt. Not because he was afraid of the anger of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Here's what it means. Go back to the PowerPoint, please. Moses, by faith, left Egypt. Not because he was running from Pharaoh, but because he was running to God. Faith is running to God, not running from something. We don't run to God out of... We, 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 we don't. Our faith is not something where we're just trying to get away from the fear. It's where we're trying to get to the one who protects us from the things we, we fear. Quick vignette, do. I want to run to God. I want to run to God. I want to take all of my problems. I want to take all my successes. I want to take all of the good things. I want to take all of the bad things. I want to run to God and lay them before him. The successes and the good things, they're his anyway. He's responsible for them, not me. And the things I'm afraid of, he's the one I want them before Because he's the one who's going to fix them, solve them, control them, or walk me through the valley of the shadow of death. All right, next vignette. Moses, and he paints the Passover lamb blood on the lentils and has the rest of the Israelites do it. And as a result, the angel of death passes by. And that's something he did by faith. Faith deals with real consequences. We, I mean, it may not seem like it to us at the time. But faith deals with real consequences. When we walk by faith, there's a whole different set of consequences than when we choose not to. If we choose disobedience and untrust, it is a different road. And it's not a Jim Dandy one either though it may seem to at the time. So my point prayer for home on this, Lord, help me to faithfully follow you and your directions in my life. Then the last Moses vignette is the one of where he's there to be, uh, uh, it looks like they're trapped by the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army's bearing down, most powerful army on the world's face at that time. uh, Barreling down on them. The people are trapped right there. God overnight sends this wind. It's it's a marvelous story. The way Moses tells uh, uh, Moses tells it. Uh, we don't have time. Let me keep going. I'll tell it myself. It's a marvelous story. Moses says to the people, he says, "Just have faith." Because the people are kind of like, uh, white flag, surrender time. Pharaoh, we'll work overtime. Just joking. Sorry, we didn't want to follow this crazy guy anyway, but he invoked uh, grandson rule. Uh, You know, I mean, they're ready to, to turn it in. And Moses is no, no, no. You watch the hand of God. This whole deliverance thing is not about me or you anyway, it's about the hand of God. And God sets up between the Egyptian army and the Israelites with the, flame and, and cloud and overnight the, the wind drives back the water and the land gets dry. Moses and the Israelites get to pass across on dry land. The Egyptians come to follow just in time to meet their demise as the waters close back. Faith can be bold in times of crisis. Be bold with your family, be bold with your friends, but be bold with yourself. In times of crisis is the time for the faithful of God to stand up and give credit to God for what God can do. And that doesn't mean we're predicting success in the world's eyes. But we are predicting success for the Lord's kingdom. Which is what we're about anyway. So my prayer for home, Lord in times of crisis, let me not give up. Let me learn the lessons and walk faithfully before you. Next, Jericho. Jericho, I mean, come on. think about this for a minute. What God tells the Israelites to do makes a great Disney movie, but he basically tells them, march around the city once a day with the priests blowing the horns and do it for six days. And I mean, they just might as well be walking around thinking, Oh, I love a parade. You know, and that's what they're doing. They're just, they're like the elephants in uh, the Jungle Book, you know. Oh, a one, two, three, four, keep it up. Two, you know, marching just to march. And it would be absolutely, um, pathetically hilarious were it not God's instructions in a faith march. This was a faith march because on that seventh day, they're to march seven times around the city. And then the trumpets are blown by the priest and then the people are to shout and God said, the wall will come down. And it did. See, faith knows things aren't always as they seem. Faith knows that things aren't always as they seem. And so we walk by faith. Our point for home on this, the vignette, is to watch. God make history through his faithful people. Next is the story of Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot sets down the, the red cord. The, the guys get to escape. She hides the guys. She hangs up the red. The, she saved when the city. Rahab the harlot. Okay, harlot is a polite word. She was a whore. That's the impolite word. She was a prostitute. That's the neutral word. But that's Rahab the harlot. Do you realize Rahab the harlot is the grandmother of Boaz? Actually not. Would have been hundreds of years later. She's linked as the grandmother of Boaz, in a sense. But ultimately, she is in that line of Boaz. Maybe great-great-great-great-grandmother of Boaz. Boaz as in father of Jesse. As in father of... Who'd I miss? There's another one in there. David. Great-granddad of David. King David. The bottom line is, is in the lineage of Jesus is Rahab the harlot. I got to tell you something. Faith sees God's redemption in any sinner including in our own heritage, which starts with me. God has redemption in my life from anything I've done. Don't let your faith walk today be hindered by the shame of something you've done before. See the redemption of Rahab the harlot. And Lord, through faith, help me turn those corners in my life where life is different. Then the writer says, and we're out of time in just a minute. I've got one minute. Give me two, please. Gideon, Barak, Samson, over, over, Jephthah, all of them named. And it's it's just this long line of people. And it's inviting us to put our name at the end. Because we stand in this long line of people. And if you look at what it says about them, if we go real quick here to the text... Verse 32, what more shall I say? Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith, look at this. If I'm reading this or hearing this sermon, as this starts out, it's like, yeah, man, I'm going to walk by faith. I want this. Get a load. This is what we get. By faith, through faith. Conquered kingdoms. I'm in. Enforced justice. I'm a trial lawyer. That's my thing. Obtained promises. Love the promises. Stopped the mouths of lions. Well, I've been trying to stop the mouths of lion witnesses all week. Quenched, sorry, quenched the power of fire. Ooh, I'm into that. Escaped the edge of the sword. Oh, yes. Made strong out of weakness. Praise the Lord. Became mighty in war. That be me! Put foreign armies to flight. Oh, yes! Women received back their dead by resurrection. Absolutely! Some were tortured. Bring it up. What? Hold on. Hold on. I've, I've dropped something here. Some were tortured. I like women receiving their dead by resurrection better. Let's. Well, we'll read on. Some were tortured refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking, flogging, chains and imprisonment, not good, stoned, and that's really not a reference to drugs, sawn in two, killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated of whom the world was not worthy. You know, some might say have enough faith and you get whatever you want. That's not what the writer of Hebrews says. Oh, there are people of faith who've gotten some amazing blessings from the Lord. And God has worked powerfully in their lives. But the people of whom the world is not worthy are the ones who, by faith, have suffered affliction and endured persecution and have suffered physically, emotionally, family wise. Those who have given up for the glory of God. They're the ones of whom the world is not worthy. But they're the ones who are living. For something more than an immediate reward. And so that is my prayer for home. Lord help me to live deliberately. From faith. To faith. Can I bless you in the name of Jesus God. I ask your blessings through Jesus Christ. On all who listen and hear. Your message Lord. I pray that. I don't get in the way of, of your message. Your powerful message of what it means to live faithfully. So bless my brothers and sisters here. With a faithful walk before you. Help them be sensitive to hearing your voice, seeing your direction, seeing your guidance, and give them that faith to follow. We pray in faith in Jesus. Amen.